Hey, good to see you. We are very, very glad that you chose to spend an hour with us this Sunday morning. We are on the final week of this series that we're calling All the Feels. And the point behind this message series is like to help us deal with all the different kinds of emotions that we have to battle through. The emotions that oftentimes end up controlling us rather than us controlling them. Now, I'll I'll tell you guys that when I first started planning this series, I knew it was going to be four weeks long. And I knew that week one, we were going to talk about joy. I knew that week two, we were going to talk about anger. I knew week three, I was going to have Joshua talk about anxiety. And then the fourth week, I really struggled. I'm like, you know, there are dozens of emotions that we could possibly end up talking about. And none of them just landed right. I wasn't totally sure which ones I should be talking about. And so uh, in staff meeting, uh, probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I asked our staff and I said, hey guys, this is the situation. I've got this extra week. I'm not really sure which emotion I should talk about. Do you guys have any suggestions? Is there a particular emotion that you guys think I should address? And so we went around the table and let them share. And every single one of them said, you need to talk about patience and impatience. And I thought to myself, man, I have a really impatient staff, apparently, because all of them said, let's talk about impatience. It was the only answer I think that any of them gave. And so I thought, okay, maybe they need to hear about being patient. (laughs) Then the thought occurred to me, what if they think I'm impatient? And this is like their super sneaky, subtle way to say, Dan, maybe you need to do some research in the Bible, if you know what I mean, about what it means to be patient. And that hurt a little. And to this day, I'm still not totally sure which one it was. It's probably a little bit of both. I need to work on my patience. They probably need to work on their patience a little. And my guess is you need to work on your patience a little. Anybody willing to admit, yeah, I get a little impatient sometimes. I could use a little more patience in my life. Absolutely. But then another thought occurred to me. I started thinking to myself, but wait a sec, patience isn't really an emotion, is it? Like it's a virtue. It's not an emo- It's not a feeling necessarily. So I'm not totally sure it's going to fit in this message series because the whole point of all the feels is to talk about emotions. And if patience isn't an emotion, then it's going to seem weird. It's not going to fit, right? So I jumped online and I started doing a little bit of research on patience. And while I was doing that, I came across the definition of the word patience. So I'm going to give you the dictionary definition and then we're going to summarize it here in just a sec. So if you look it up in the dictionary, the the way that patience is defined is the ability to accept delay. Let's go back one. Um, It's the ability to accept delay or trouble or suffering without getting upset. That's the way, you know, you would typically hear patience defined. You can handle it when things don't go the way you want when you want them to. And I guess that's okay. I did a little more reading and I came across a definition that was very short and concise and succinct. And so I thought, oh, this might be another good way for us to define it. Patience, at least as it's typically talked about, is waiting without complaining. Does that make sense? I mean, that's a pretty straightforward way to understand patience. It is the ability to wait and not complain. But I'll tell you straight up, this definition really bothers me. I don't like this definition at all whatsoever. I realize I'm complaining about it right now. I don't like the idea that patience is as simple as waiting without complaining. Because to be honest, that sounds a little shallow to me. 
It seems a little bit trite, waiting without complaining. It's almost too cute, you know? Like, yes, waiting without complaining is a good way to define patience if you are sitting at Boston Pizza and waiting on your appies to arrive. You know? You tell your kids, can you just wait and not complain? The food's coming. But that's such a small thing. What about bigger things in life? What about things that take a whole lot longer in order to resolve themselves? In some of these bigger life circumstances, I'm not totally sure that it's sufficient to say, well, patience means you need to wait and not complain. I mean, is that really what God wants from me? Is that really what God wants from you? He wants us to zip our lips and just sit there silently until something good happens? I mean, I struggled with this definition quite a bit. So then I started digging into the Bible. And what I discovered was the word patience is all over the scripture. It occurs dozens of times in the Old Testament, but lots in the New Testament. And on top of that, the Bible is full of stories of both impatient people and patient people. So as I was doing this reading, I finally came across one story and all the pieces kind of fell into place for me in my mind. And before I even knew it, a message about patience had essentially written itself. All right. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, I hope I haven't tried your patience with this long story about how I came up with the message today. But in truth, I had no plans to talk to you this morning about the subject of patience. I thought it was a dumb idea and I wasn't going to take their suggestion. But it turns out they were 100% right. Because as I studied and dug in, it's almost like God knew there were people that needed to hear how to cultivate more patience in the middle of a very impatient world. I know that person is probably me, but maybe it's also you. So I told you there's one big story that just kind of sealed the deal and everything fell into place once I read it. I want to read it with you this morning. So it's in John chapter number five. We're going to put all the verses here on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible with you today, totally cool. No sweat. Just follow along on the verses. But I'll tell you, that we have free Bibles out of the guest center. If you're like, hey, I don't have a Bible. I'd like to try to read it at some point. It's probably something everybody should have on their shelf. All you have to do is go to the big orange welcome home banner out front and say, hey, Pastor Dan told me I could have a Bible and we'll give you one totally free. You don't have to pay us. You, we, we won't take anything from you, okay? So go get a copy of the Bible if you want it. But in the meantime, let's just read along on the screen here. The scripture says here in John chapter number five, verse one, that afterward or later, Jesus returned to the city of Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city of Jerusalem near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda, which had five covered porches. And the Bible says the interesting thing about the crowd, or rather the um, pool of Bethesda, was that crowds of sick people, people who were blind, people who were lame, people who were paralyzed, they lay there on the porches. Now we're going to pause right here and we're just going to work our way kind of through these scriptures one by one. It's not that long. It's going to be a pretty short message this morning. The reason that there were so many sick people that were gathered at this particular pool in the ancient city of Jerusalem was that it was a spring-fed pool. And every so often, probably because of some sort of like, you know, underground thermal activity or something, the pools would start to bubble a little bit. And there was this um, popular belief that arose at the time that, because they didn't understand underwater springs and bubbling up and things like that at the time. And so they came up with what to us might seem like a bit of a superstitious uh, explanation. And so 
people in that day began to believe the reason that the water was bubbling was that an invisible angel would come periodically and he would stir up the water. That's really what they believed. Then they believed that the first person who managed to get into the pool after the hot tub bubbling started would be healed of whatever diseases or problems or issues that they had. So that's the reason so many people, particularly sick people, are gathered around this pool because they're thinking this is going to be a spot where they can find solutions to the problems they're facing. They think they're going to be healed. Now, was there really an angel that was stirring up the water or was this all just an urban legend? In truth, we don't really know. It could have been God at work. It also could have been people who didn't understand, you know, geothermal springs. We don't really know, but we do know people had gathered there precisely because they were waiting for this bubbling to occur so they could go take a dip and hopefully experience some relief from some of the things that were ailing them. All right. Now look at what happens next. The Bible says in verse number five, one of the men, so there are these crowds of sick people lying there, right? Blind, lame, paralyzed. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. That is an incredibly long time to wait for something, isn't it? I mean, that's a long time to have a problem that you need a solution for, and day passes, and day passes, and another day passes, and still, he doesn't get the relief that he wants. 38 years. You guys, I get frustrated if I'm delayed 38 minutes in traffic on Deerfoot. You know what I'm saying? This guy had waited for 38 years. It struck me while I was reading this that in just a few weeks, I'm turning 38 years old. And (laughs) that was a weird place to woo. I I have no idea how to take that. Anyway, I'm turning 38 years. Thank you for being excited. You're invited to my birthday party. Okay. 38 years old. That means this man has literally been waiting for healing for some sort of release, for some new chapter in his life to begin for as long as I've been around. This man had been waiting patiently for an entire lifetime. Now, I don't know. I mean, there have been many things in my own life that I have been waiting for, but I'm not sure I've been waiting for anything for life, you know? Uh, There are things that I've been waiting for decades for, maybe 10, 15 years, but I don't know there's anything I've been waiting for 40 years almost. This poor guy was going through an exercise in extreme patience. This was a long time coming. So in verse number six... The scripture says, when Jesus saw him, he knew that the man had been ill for a long time. And so Jesus asked the man, would you like to get well? Jesus, that is a weird question, my friend. Of course he wants to get well. Who would be paralyzed for 40 years and say, nah, I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm good today. Maybe tomorrow. Nah, no big deal. No, of course not. Of course he wants to get well. And so this is a really strange question for Jesus to ask him. Last week, Joshua was preaching, and at some point in his message, he said something, he referred to something Jesus said, and he was like, duh, Jesus. And the pastor in me was like, ooh, I don't know if he should have said that, you know. (laughs) Today, I'm reading this, and I'm like, duh, Jesus. Of course he wants to get well. (laughs) 
But listen, the reason Jesus asks this particular question is because it is going to reveal something very, very critical about this man's heart and his mind, about what he wants in this world. So Jesus asks this question as much for our benefit to understand what's going on inside of this guy's mind thousands of years after it happened as he did for the information that this man was about to provide. So Jesus says... Um, sorry, keep going back. Sorry, we've gone too far. Um, Jesus says to him, would you like to get well? Before we show you the answer or the way that this guy re- responds and replies that uh, shows us or teaches us so much, let me ask you this question because I could rephrase Jesus' words just a tiny bit and I could say, what are you waiting for? That's essentially what Jesus was asking him. What is it that you're waiting for? What is making you impatient right now? And I could ask you the same question. What is making you impatient today? Because we all have something and probably multiple somethings. It could be really big. It could be relatively small. But you are probably experiencing something in your life that you wish would just get done a little bit faster. Maybe you're on a diet. And you're not seeing progress as quick as you would like. And so you're like, oh, we could just move this thing along. That would be really great. Maybe you're dealing with a chronic illness like this guy was. And it's been something you've battled for decades in your own life. It's a constant source of frustration for you. Maybe your biggest source of frustration is the fact that it takes your wife hours to get ready every morning. To do the makeup, to gather up all of her things. And, you know, you're sitting downstairs on the living room couch, just like, are we ever going to get out of here? Maybe that's your source of frustration. I don't know. Or maybe you invested four years in university and you graduated, you paid your bill, you got your degree, and still you haven't received a job offer in the career field that you chose. I don't know what it is that you're facing today. The thing that has got you feeling impatient and wishing it would just get sorted out finally and fully. But can I ask you to do one thing? Can you name it? Not to your neighbor. You don't have to say it out loud or anything. That might be kind of weird. But could you just acknowledge that thing in your mind? that is driving you crazy because it feels like this stage, this particular circumstance is dragging on and on and on. Do you have it in your mind? Do you know what it is? I know what mine is. All right, acknowledge it. Name what it is that's making you impatient because the things that we're going to see Jesus do here for this man, he's going to do for you as well. So Jesus says, would you like to get well? Look at how the man responds. He says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I can't. I want to, but I can't. I don't have the right circumstances. Things have not fallen in line the way that I need them to. Now, I'll be honest, I don't really know how to read this guy's words. Like, I'm not sure what sort of inflection or intonation that he used here. Was he really whiny? Was he like, I can't, I want to, but I can't. Or was he angry? He's like, if one more person jumps in that pool in front of me, I'm going to slap him. I don't know. Because the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how he said it. It only tells us what he said. But my guess is he was probably complaining just a little bit. Now, if you remember that dictionary definition of complaining that I gave you earlier, it is waiting without complaining. 
and we see this guy complaining actually three times in one verse, then we could say, well, this dude was not particularly patient, was he? Because he wasn't sitting there quietly just waiting for God to show up and do his thing. He was not waiting without complaining. But honestly, I think this guy deserves the right to vent his frustration a little bit, don't you? Like, doesn't it seem like somebody in his circumstance should be able to say, hey, this is bothering me that I've been dealing with this for so long? It's not like he's complaining because he's had to wait 20 minutes in line at a registry office. He's complaining because for four decades, he's been totally paralyzed. I think he deserves the right to complain a little bit. And it might surprise you to know that the Bible doesn't present complaining to God in a bad light always. It really doesn't. The Bible doesn't say, shut your mouth, don't complain. You take what God gives you doesn't say that. In fact, in multiple places in the Bible, there are people who vent their frustration, who complain about their situation to God, and God not only lets them, but in many cases, he seems to welcome it. Let me give you one example. In the book of Psalms, there's a guy named David who's writing, Psalm chapter 24. And in Psalm, uh, Psalm 14, rather, and in Psalm 14, David, who the Bible calls a man after God's own heart, he says this in a difficult situation in his life, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for his mercy. And then watch what he says. I pour out my complaints before him and I tell him all my troubles. See, God doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, David, watch your mouth, boy. You don't know who you're talking to. No, he doesn't. In fact, God responds by helping him in his time of trouble. And David's not the only one. There are dozens of people that confess and complain and and just give voice and vent to their situation, and they do it to God, and God is okay with it. You see, from what I can tell in Scripture, complaining is only wrong when our complaints are petty or pointless. That's when complaining is an issue. If your complaints, if my complaints are petty or they are pointless, then I think we need to give pause. Look, if you're grumbling because they put in a new four-way stop at the backside of your neighborhood and it has added six minutes to your commute each day, the people who are laughing live in Evanston. This is the big thing going on in our neighborhood right now. Listen, that's petty. It's six minutes. Are you serious? You're going to get worked up to that extent over a stop sign? That's petty. Let that go. Recalibrate a little bit, my friends. It's just not worth getting so upset over and being so impatient in that moment. Look, if you're still complaining about the way your ex-wife treated you six years ago, then it's pointless. In, In most circumstances or cases, you can't change what happened. It's in the past. Let it go. Your complaining is not going to make that situation any better. We spend too much of our time complaining about things that are petty or pointless not about things that really matter. But in scripture, you see people who complain about those deep things, those long-term hardships. And again, God doesn't judge them. He seems to welcome it. Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, oh, I don't know about this whole idea of complaining to God. I'm not real comfortable with that. Fine. Substitute the word confide in God for complain to God. And it's basically the same thing. God wants to hear when you're feeling frustrated. He wants you to acknowledge the hard season that you're in and he can take it. He really can. Now, 
Look at how this, uh, this verse finishes here. I told you that this, um, this man's mindset really, or his answer really reveals his mindset. Look at what he says. I can't. Do you want to be well? I can't. I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. Uh, there are always people that jump in line ahead of me. I can't. So I want you to check this. There may be a little detail here that you don't understand. We find out later in the story, and we're not going to have time to read it. This guy did not know who Jesus was. He didn't know that he was like God's son, the Messiah. He was a miracle worker. He didn't know that. He just thought he was a random nice guy who happened to walk by and start having a conversation. And so the paralyzed man believed the best thing that Jesus could do for him would be to stick around until the water bubbled up again and then to carry him and dump him in the pool before anybody else got there. That's what he was hoping for from Jesus. Now, guys, stay with me. This is so critical. This is the thing that will open this entire passage and unlock whatever it is that you're facing. This man had faith in God. But he had already worked out an entire plan and timeline in which God was going to give him his breakthrough. Do you see that? He knew the way I'm going to get healed is to get into the pool. And when I'm going to do it, I got to be in there first. He had already worked out the details. And so he was not interested in getting on God's timeline or God's plan. He was interested in getting God on his timeline and on his plan. He had it all worked out. God, I know exactly how this should resolve itself. If you'll just trust me, God, I can tell you the best way to fix this. Is the Bible reading anybody else's mail this morning or just me? Yeah, I do that all the time. Okay, so he says, I can't because this is the only way and this is the only time that this situation can ever get fixed. But Jesus says to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Scripture says, Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. I told you earlier that that waiting without complaining definition kind of frustrated me. There is a word here that really gets under my skin. The word instantly bothers me so much in this passage. Because it says, instantly the man was healed and he got up and he started walking. Just like this, I imagine. <laughs> but this, this wasn't an instant miracle, at least not from that man's perspective. This was a miracle that took 40 years to occur. Can I tell you, that's the way it works. There is a situation in your life that you think is hopeless. There is something that you've settled for. You believe that this is just going to be a lifelong thing that you have to deal with. And then Jesus is going to walk into your life. And in an instant, everything is going to change for you. It may not feel like an instant right now. But that instant moment is coming. Here's what I want you to see this morning. That this man had spent years figuring out his situation, sorting through the way his problem should be solved and the timeline in which God should solve it. He knew all the details. He just needed God to show up. But when Jesus showed up to his situation, he obliterated the man's plan and he gave him a totally different timeline in order for things to work out and he gave him something better than what he had come up with for himself. The only reason we're still talking about this guy 2,000 years after he lived is because God did not give him what he wanted when he wanted it. He gave him something better. 
Hey, the world will tell you that patience is waiting without complaining, but that is too shallow of an understanding of patience when you look at what the scripture has to say. You see, patience from a biblical perspective is confidence that God will do the right thing at the right time and in the right way in your situation. That's what biblical patience is. Not like, I don't know when this is going to be over, but I'm not supposed to complain, so I should just be quiet. No, it's giving voice to your frustration, but saying, I know God is going to show up. I know that I can trust him. Biblical patience is trusting God's intentions, his plans, and his timing. Waiting without complaining, that is draining, and it'll lead you to despair because you have no idea if or when the situation is ever going to get any better. But this sort of patience is hopeful. It's life-giving. It is based on something bigger than circumstances. It is based on an all-powerful God who loves you more than you could ever know. Biblical patience is confidence that God will do the right thing at the right time and in the right way. Let me give you just a couple of thoughts for those of you guys that are like, okay, cool, I get it. I want more patience, but I'm not totally sure how I'm going to get there. Three, and I promise you like very, very short thoughts, okay? If you want to develop more patience in your own heart and life, and I do, so this is stuff I need to listen to as well, you've got to recognize developing patience means waiting through seasons that you would rather skip through. If you want to develop patience, you need to be okay with waiting through seasons that you would rather skip through. God knows you want to hit the fast forward button on this thing right now. God knows you want to jump to the next scene in your life. But if God gave you a shortcut, it would short circuit what he's trying to do in your soul. He cannot let you jump ahead because there's something he's trying to do in this moment. Seems long. Seems like it's never going to end. But there is something that he is doing. If you want more patience in your life, the only way it can come about is for you to be in situations where you have to be patient. Patience is like a muscle. The only, they're going to get ready to get baptized. I didn't make them mad. They're not just leaving. Like, I'm out of here. Forget this. <laughs> patience is a muscle. It's a muscle. Patience only grows when you use it. And the only way you can use it is to put in situations that you don't want to be in. So if you want more patience, you've got to be okay waiting through seasons you'd rather skip through. Second thing, developing patience means connecting the physical and the emotional to the spiritual. You need to connect the physical and emotional things that you are going through to the spiritual things that are happening behind the scenes. You and I have this amazing capacity to focus only on the physical, the things that we can see and taste and touch and smell. It's like that's all that occupies our mind. But what you've got to recognize is whatever issue it is that you're facing, whatever issue it is that you're dealing with right now, it is at its core a spiritual issue, not a physical one. It's not an emotional one, not entirely. There is a spiritual reality behind every single thing you are working through right now. Your problem is more spiritual than you realize. And so if you only try to address the physical, 
you're going to miss out on what's really going on. If you only look at the superficial issues, you're going to miss out on the supernatural happenings just behind the scenes. You've got to connect what is happening in front of you to what God is doing behind the scenes. So let me give you an example, just a very, very short one. You're not waiting, ladies, on your husband to get his act together. You're waiting on your husband to have a supernatural encounter with Jesus, and Jesus will change things for you. If you can start to look at every situation you're waiting through through that lens, that God is at work behind the scenes in ways that I can't understand, but he's trying to accomplish something in this season of waiting, you can have a deep well of biblical patience that you never thought. You will suddenly become the most patient man on the planet. Because you recognize there is a deeper reality behind every single thing that you're facing. Last thought. Developing patience means trusting that your breakthrough is coming before your breakdown. Your breakthrough is coming before your breakdown happens. I know you've been waiting a long time. Maybe 38 years long in your situation. I get it. You're wondering if you can carry on. Am I going to be able to keep going knowing that my situation is not changing? It's not getting any better. You're wondering if you're going to snap before God steps in to save. But I want you to remember that ridiculous word that the Apostle John used there in verse number nine. That stupid word that gets under my skin instantly. I want you to remember that word instantly. Because I believe there will come a day in whatever circumstance you're walking through right now that Jesus is going to show up. And when he does, you're no longer going to be talking about waiting 38 months or 38 years. The only word that's going to be on your lips is instantly. I can't explain it. I don't know exactly what happened, but Jesus finally showed up and in an instant, all the pain was forgotten and things were loosed. That word instantly is what you need to cling to because in an instant, God can show up and give you the breakthrough that you need. In an instant, Jesus can walk into your life and flip the script and suddenly something you thought that was hopeless, something you thought was lifelong, it's completely forgotten because Jesus showed up and he gave you your breakdown, breakthrough. Look, if that happens, yeah, he didn't give you a breakdown. He might, but look, if, if you can start to infuse this waiting season with this kind of meaning, do you understand how much deeper how much more motivating, how much more mm, is behind waiting and patience when you look at it like this instead of waiting without complaining, shh, just be quiet, eventually things will work out. No, God wants you to have patience, but he wants you to have real patience. He wants you to have patience that'll see you through whatever you're going through. Can I, last verse, this is it, and I'm done. Psalm 27, 14 says this, wait patiently for the Lord. Then it says, you can be brave and courageous in your situation. You can be brave and courageous in whatever you're waiting to happen because you are waiting patiently upon the Lord himself.